Going Home, written by Jean Grey, produced and directed by Gina McCabe and Jean Grey. Technical sound effects courtesy of freesound.org and zapsplat.com. And from Free Music Archive, Bua Kanya, Solid Armada. Going Home is a radio dramedy set in southern Ontario revolving around fractured families, stolen pickups, and dug-up graveyards. Starring Sean Gorman as the narrator, Jean Grey as Danny Sullivan, Stephen Reese as Officer Jack Maynard, Sean McClare as Stephen Sullivan, Gina McCabe as Esther Sullivan, Bruce Wilson as J.J. Blackstock, Jonathan Lynn as Michael Sully Sullivan, Mavis Wilson as Vera Lane, Monique Petrie as Dr. Howe, Sheila Bowdish McCabe as Nurse Evelyn Pope, and Lori Lynn as Nancy Blackstock. Episode 1, Never Phone a Cop. Going home. We are in Canada, rural southern Ontario to be exact. Farm country, flat land, mostly treeless. The glaciers that ground back through here thousands of years ago were in their prime, seasoned and powerful. They came on like gangbusters, crushing and grinding and carving out the Great Lakes before finishing up somewhere in the United States. We treat him with honor, they flattened everything and they're going home pulled back. This pullback, plus time, turned rock into gravel and later, much later, it all became A1 farmland. Of course, the glaciers weren't perfect and here and there they left behind a few rolling hills, but all in all, anywhere around here is dead flat. A real hard place to sneak up on somebody. We come up on a farmhouse, a typical for the region farmhouse. In the front section, we have a two-story structure where the family sleeps and watches TV. Off the back is a single-story add-on that houses the kitchen, mudroom, whatever area. This particular farmhouse, owned by one Michael Sullivan, does not have what one would call an eye-catching style. In fact, the house has not been worked on since the 1950s. It missed the siren call of aluminum siding and new windows and still has an old-timey screen door that will slap you in the ass if you don't move fast enough while exiting. The whole get-back picture renders a low-slung porch with a short step up and into the house. If we get back even further, we notice that the house and surrounding land looks more kept than unkept, but it certainly does not have the forced gaiety of a hobby farm. The animals are long gone and the acreage is leased out. The Sullivan Farm is located just outside the limits of a town called Pemberton, a small town, just like a hundred other small towns that are scattered throughout southern Ontario. Towns that long ago lost most of their importance in the scheme of things. The time is now, May 21st, the beginning of a long holiday weekend. This is a made in Canada holiday that celebrates a long lasting and long dead queen. Queen Victoria by name, a holiday that encourages the throwing of firecrackers, drunken dancing and bad singing, sometimes all at the same time. This holiday is a great jumping off start to the summer a time to shake off the winter blues and go barefoot. 
a time of new beginnings or not so new endings. However, the following story has nothing to do with the Queen Victoria holiday, but I like to think it sets the mood for what is to follow. Chapter 1. It's early morning, just a little this or that of 7 a.m. From inside the house, we hear someone talking on a phone. We now meet Danny Sullivan, age 36. He is already deep into his day. He has an unlit cigarette in one hand and his cell phone in the other. Well, the old man's AWOL. Once again, he is a gone wall out of here. I have topped the bottom of this whole house. Nothing, nothing. He is once again on the hoof. So once again, I had to phone the cops and report him missing. And one more once again, I need my ass kicked because they're gonna send over here that cop. That cop they always send over here when he goes missing, Maynard. That cop Maynard, what an asshole. He is just gonna drive in here, get out of that cop car of his, and start strutting all over my property. Chin up, chest out, prancing around like he's Mr. Foghorn Leghorn, looking this way and that way, like he knows something important. Thinking, thinking that I'm all tail down, woe begotten, because I can't find a broke down old man who needs a round the clock auction just to pull his pants on. Guess what, lawman? I am not losing sleep over the whereabouts of Mr. Michael Sullivan. I could give a rat's ass about my old man. And this is the why for of that. I'm fed up. That's why I am fed up and sick to death with all you people going on and on about Poor Sully, poor old Sully, poor old lost Sully. What about poor old lost me, huh? What about my rights? I don't got no rights, say what? And every one of you has no idea what I'm putting up with around here. No idea. See this, this here, this is an oxygen tank. He needs around the clock oxygen. And all this auction is destroying my peace of mind. I have absolutely nothing left up top. My head's fucked. It is completely fucked. You don't believe me? Just ask anybody. They'll tell you. And for all of you out there who don't know how oxygen can destroy life, here is the get down on that. You can't have an open flame around that shit. Fire up your gas stove and kapowie. You just blew your ass all the way to China. Sayonara, sucker. Have a nice trip. And there goes the Sunday pot roast dinner down the road, which leaves you something out of a can, like tuna. And it is goddamn near impossible to get excited over a tuna fish sandwich on a Sunday. Sunday is a meat-eating day. A day to eat something that used to have hair on it. But this is the most disturbing aspect of oxygen. You can't smoke a cigarette around those tanks. Did you know that? Well, you normal people get to sit in your very own house, in your very own lazy boys, and smoke cigarettes, thus garnering a little peace of mind. I gotta come outside here to garner my peace of mind. 
And don't tell me to go smoke in the back room. There's no safe place to smoke in that house. That house has been totally invaded by tanks and tubes running everywhere. Everywhere. It's like living in a goddamn snake farm. And do you have any idea how distressing it is to live in a snake farm? Then shut up, because it's very, very distressing. Almost beyond belief distressing. But, like always, I suck it up and plow on. Smoke after smoke after... Did you hear that? That is the sound of a cop car coming. And with that sound coming, so comes a whole parade of my second thoughts. Like I said before, why, oh why, did I phone the cops? I must be mental. Because once again, that cop is going to tell me that I got to do something about Sully. I got to do something because he does not have time to be running all over Lampton County looking for him. That's what he's going to tell me. Thus inciting my wrath, wrath which will, once again, get me tasered. Isn't that right, Maynard? You came over here to just to get me going, to flare me up, to make me say something stupid so you could tase me right back into last year. Huh? No, no, no. Don't tell me that. Don't tell me that. Yes, I know. I phoned you. I already know that. But then you came over here looking like that. Looking like this is all my fault. Looking like you got something better to do. So pack yourself and that taser yours off my property. And while you're packing off, take that badge of yours and shove it up your ass, why don't you? I am not scared of you. Oh, oh, you want to get it on? Let's get it on. Man to man. No tasers. Oh, see this? See this? Are you getting this? Now he's taking out his taser. He is not listening. I said man to man. That means fist fighting or nut pulling. No, no, no. I am not threatening you. So put the taser away. Put it away, asshole. I am warning you. If you don't back off, I am... Chapter 2. We are about to meet Jack Maynard, age 42. Maynard is an Ontario Provincial Police Officer. But before we meet him, let's get up to speed on OPP history. The Ontario Provincial Police Force came into being in the late 1940s. Their mandate is to police the province of Ontario outside of the areas covered by municipal police. When the now disappeared Michael Sullivan had been growing up, the town would have been looked after by a town-hired cop, a local, someone everyone knew and lived in the town alongside of everyone else. Someone who looked the other way a lot, because it's hard to put your next-door neighbor in jail. Not surprisingly, a small town functioned very well this way. A lot of situations never really got going because the town cop was more of a negotiator than an enforcer. Back then, the law was not black and white, but ever in flux. A lot of drunked-up Saturday night fistfights were whistled away by the town cop. A sober Sunday morning was usually punishment enough. Then, in the early 1960s, the OPP came to town and refused to look the other way when they should have. 
They put the books to the town and made everyone behave or go to jail. Big mistake. To recap the last scene, Maynard has just tasered Danny. Danny falls to the ground. Maynard steps directly into the space left behind by Danny. Good day and welcome. For the record, my name is Jack Maynard, badge number 764-5218. Upon my arrival at this address, it quickly became apparent that I had to de-escalate this situation. The de-escalation was brought about by using a standard issue conducted energy weapon. As you witnessed, the conduction became necessary when the subject, a Mr. Daniel Sullivan, also known as Danny Boy Sullivan, became hostile toward my person. Now, <clears throat> the taser used in this deployment is an International X-26, a gun favored by the majority of police forces in North America. Let me demonstrate. It is basically a stun gun, and when the trigger is engaged, a compressed gas cartridge opens up inside the gun. This compressed air cartridge emits electricity, and the electricity emitted strikes the client, sending a signal to the central nervous system that causes the body's muscles to contract. The muscle contraction causes most victims to fall to the ground after one application. However, some subjects require more than one application to bring about the desired compliance. This subject, Daniel Sullivan, is one such subject. I have dealt with Mr. Sullivan before, and at times have had to administer up to eight bursts to bring him to compliance. His ability to withstand a great deal of electricity is the main reason I carry an extra two tasers in my car. But I would quickly add that my objective here is conversation. Restrained conversation. The reason for this conversation with Mr. Danny Boy Sullivan has always revolved around the actions of his father. Mr. Michael Sullivan, also known as Sully Sullivan, who has, as of late, taken to wandering off and becoming lost. In my opinion, it would appear that he is struggling with some form of dementia. However, that is only my opinion. Mr. Sullivan! Mr. Danny Boy Sullivan! Are you ready to proceed in a non-threatening manner? Thank you. I have issued an APB for your father, and if his past MO is any indication, we should have him back in your care shortly. However, this is the third such incident this month regarding Mr. Sullivan Sr., and we must move to stabilize his behavior. With that in mind, I have taken it upon myself to contact your siblings in regards to your father. They have agreed with me that a solution must be forthcoming, and are driving out from Toronto to assist you in your decision. As for our confrontation, I'm willing to overlook your threatening behavior towards my person. However, that aside, I must insist that you and your family deal with your father and his behavior as soon as possible. Chapter 3 the ability and speed of recovery from a taser blast varies widely from one individual to the next. Most recipients take at least a few hours to recover, although some much longer and some never recover. 
funeral arrangements to follow. But the ones that do recover go through a period of uncontrollable muscular convulsions, rendering them temporarily unable to control their own movements. As Maynard was telling us earlier, this is not Danny's first time at the Taser Tango. He has been here many times before and knows that given time and self-massage, all will be right again, at least physically. In the long run, God knows what tasering is doing to his brain. But we are not, as of this moment, concerned about his brain or the long run. Let the Eagles handle that one. We are concerned about the here and now. And here and now, Danny must pinch, punch, and pull his muscles back to working order. Oh, God damn. Oh, God damn. Oh, God damn. Better. Better. Getting better. Better. I've had worse. I've had worse. Getting a lot. Bastard, it is a regular bastard. After a day's blow, I get up. Aye. There we go. There we go. Okay. Now, we got to go find the old man. He needs his hair. And I don't trust that cop. That cop finds him. That cop finds him. He needs his hair. Let's go deeper, deeper, deeper. <gasps> One step, two step, three step, four. Thank <laughs> you.